If anything should happen to me, you must go to court. You must say these words. Klaatu, Marada, Mikto. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Sci-Fi Watcher, episode number 128. Glad you guys could join us again for this show. I am Corey Charette, and joining me as always, my friend, Mr. Brian Lee. Brian, how's it going? Going well, man. Good to be here again. Gotta love it. This week, this time, we are going to talk about the novel, The Time Machine, since we talked about the film back in episode 123. And um, for all you guys out there new to the show, I'd like to welcome you aboard. Just let you know, we sit around and talk science fiction stuff here, movies, TV shows, and whatnot. Traditionally on uh, Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. But once in a while, I get some bonus stuff during the week. And this is one of those bonus episodes, which I hope you enjoy. But before we start, if you go over to scifiwatcher.com slash donate, you can help us out any way you can. There's uh, multiple ways to help out. Not just money. There's a wish list there. Or just tell your friends to come over to scifiwatcher.com and uh, download the show. That's scifiwatcher.com slash donate for more info. All right, so we're going to talk about The Time Machine, which was written by, of course, Mr. H.G. Wells. The full novel was released in 1895, but it was serialized before then and finally put into a book form in 1895. Only 104 pages long, and um, that's it. It's, it's a tiny book. This is the actual – this book is, believe it or not, the first reference to the words time machine, which I think is surprising that almost the 1900s and we used that word for the first time. Yeah, and uh, it's in the public domain, so you can probably get it for free. Yeah, you can. I got this on um, by mistake. I had my Kindle Fire open, and I went to audible.com, and uh, 95 cents or 99 cents I paid for it for the audio version. There, you're paying for the actors. Yeah, it, it, good quality, but you can also, I think you can get the book like, you know, like in the Kindle bookstore and whatnot for free because it is public domain, or it's easy to get anywhere. Don't, don't do what I did and go to Google and search for the audio book. Because yeah. you'll find somebody, a, a kid doing it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the problem. I mean, you know, since it's public domain, it's easy to get a hold of these audio books. There's so many versions of them out there. But like, like, like Brian says, you can get some crappy ones and you can get some really good ones. And, you know, I paid 99 cents for a professional speaking version of it. So, you know. Yeah, yeah so go look for it out there. But So let's start talking about this. Um kind of starts off like the movie. You're going to hear us talk about the movie a lot here. Um, a group of guys sit, sit around listening to the main character who they call the time traveler. He has no specific name in this book. That, that kind of bothered me a little bit. You know, it's like insert name here kind of thing because it's like time traveler. They had the psychologist, the young man, the silent man. The- they, they did mention Philby, though. That was the only person that had a name. Which is funny is it's like you know, pr- present day, whenever this is or whenever this takes place, they don't give a specific year. And the story is not told by the time traveler. It's told secondhand by another character, which they call the narrator. Yeah, it's not Philby. No. It's you, some you, ominous person. You know, <laughs> I was expecting it to be Philby telling the adventure. You know, but this is this is a secondhand story. You know, they're sitting down talking to this time traveler 
about his theory of, 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 you know, traveling through time, which I thought was amazing for 1895, talking about time being a fourth dimension. It's kind of similar to what they said in the movie. You know, we can move through these three dimensions, but we can also move through the fourth dimension. And we are They went into more detail, though. Yeah, I really like that, you know. You know, it, you know, the time machine's moving faster than we are in time, so we can't see it moving. And it kind of blew my mind how H.G. Wells came up with these, you know, time travel theories. You know, it's just like, wow, this is pretty, pretty advanced for, you know, for the time. I think it was funny. He also mentions in the book, they, they mention uh, Darwin later on, and they say the young Darwin. So it's just kind of funny that he says young Darwin. Yeah, it is. But yeah, you know, he even shows them the time machine, too. Right. That was interesting. He's like, hey, yeah, so the experiment works. Here's my big time machine. So, like, no one's going to question that he's traveling, going to travel through time now. You know, it's just like, oh, we're going to talk about it. And um, I do like the one thing I really enjoyed at the beginning of the book was his his recollection or his description of how he was traveling through time. You know, it wasn't just like the movie. It wasn't just like everything's fast forwarding. It was kind of like a haze. You could kind of see the buildings. You know, things weren't crystal clear mm-hmm. when he was traveling. I was waiting for the uh, the store, the women's dresses or whatever. Yeah, you know. And I was like, oh, they didn't come up. Oh, well. Th- th- you know, nothing like that came up. He just talks about what it looks like and what it feels like. Like there was one scene like where he was like kind of not completely seated properly and it was kind of hard for him to move. And it was interesting how they described it. But yeah, I was, I was kind of disappointed. The fact we went from whenever the story takes place till – 802-701 AD. It's like we don't have any in between. It's like his first stop is way in the future. I know. I was I was hoping that the book was going to be similar to the the movie where they he stopped at different points. Yeah, because I would love to see his perspective on like like what the sixties would have been like or the twenty first century or something. But I think maybe it's smart in a way because there's nothing he's going to say that's going to come close to that. And going that far out in the future, I yeah. think it's more likely to be the way he described it. Yeah, it's true, though, because, you know, we've we've read books or seen movies that like 2001, you know, this 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 1960s movie slash book comes out and it's 2001. You're like, yeah, not even close. Or even the movie when they said they're they're showing 1966 or something and they're mm-hmm. all in these silvery clothing and you're like okay in 60 years time you're gonna have silvery clothing i know it's <laughs> it's funny what the perspectives of the future look like when you're looking you know even further ahead yeah yeah but it was kind of weird you know i mean he lands you know into the future there and these the eloy it couldn't surprise me these eloy people they were frail you know they they, they were tiny they had no genders that you could tell from the outside they kind of try to do that where they all had bowl cuts in the movie. Yeah, but the girls look like girls still. They had breasts yeah. and longer hair. In, in this, it just sounds like they all look like, you know, pre, pre-teen boys. Did they say they were kind of like midgets too? I mean, I, I kind of read that they were tiny people. Kind of. They were kind of short. He even mentioned that they look like they might have like tuberculosis. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Which you know, I, you know, in the 21st century, we, I don't really know what tuberculosis looks like, but I'll take their word on it. Um, and they didn't talk. They well, they had like their own language or something like that. That somehow he yeah. learns in eight days. But they did. They don't talk like they're showing in the movie, like perfect English. You know. Yeah, that was and that was the one thing that we brought up. It's like, wait a minute, 
that far in the future, they're still speaking English. I'm kind of glad that they went that route in the book. You know, because it makes sense. You know, it's like, really, English is around that far in the future? I mean, none of the languages we have now should even exist, you would think. Right. You know, they would have mutated and evolved into something totally different and, and unrecognizable by us. Right. Bunch of grunts. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically is what it would be, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of weird, though, because it, it feels like the, the movie a little bit, you know. He lands in front of the weird, like, sphinx-like creature, and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he walks off, and uh, the, the time machine disappears, and he's like, how did it disappear, and stuff like that. And, and you know, he even saves uh, Weena in the river. But that comes later. Cause, Which is weird. But in the movie, you know, he shows up, and immediately he goes and saves Weena. You know, mm-hmm. that's his first encounter with these people. But in the book, he's with these people for a little while. And then that occurrence happens with. Yeah, yeah they, come, they come right up to him and stuff like that at the right at the beginning. Yeah. You know, and. Um, oh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And that was another thing about the book. I, I think maybe because I'm American, but it was kind of weird that even far in the future, he's like, oh, yeah. So that's the Thames. And he was talking about directions and he was heading towards he was naming like landmarks in like present day London. Well, I mean, that's where he was. But in the far future, how would you recognize that? Mm, the river would still be there. It might have changed course a little bit, but I think it would still be where it is. Yeah, but they, he mentioned other stuff too, and I can't remember the names of the stuff, but I'm like, how would you know that that is that? You would think the whole landscape would have changed. Yeah, maybe by how, the, how far away it was. You know? I, I guess. I mean, but I, I was just like, I, I kind of took me out of it. It's like, I kind of wish you just didn't give it like geographical locations that you know today. Yeah. The other thing I, I liked is that he actually found relics and things in this, in, in the book where yeah. he didn't in the movie. Yeah. It was called, what was it called? The Green Porcelain? I'm, I'm trying to look it up. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. Palace of Green Porcelain. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, which was a museum. Mm hmm. But, and, to me, that was the part of the book I kind of got dull. It got dull to me. It's like, hey, Weena, let's go travel over there. Oh, it's gonna... it was cool because he actually found stuff that you know he could use. But it just took too long. It took him two days to get there, and it's just like he yeah. got the stuff, and he's taken two days to get back. And Weena disappears, gets killed, or something, which shocked the heck out of me. Well, you, you skipped over the part where he actually met the uh, Morlocks. Oh yeah. He met the Morlocks early on. Well, he wasn't did he meet them when he went down into the wells? Yeah, he went down in the wells. They kind of show that in the movie when but, but that he was, was later looking on. around and they were hiding in the dark. But um or yeah, and then in the book though, they were actually touching him mm-hmm. and freaking him out. Yeah, and and you know what's funny is as I'm reading the description of the book, they call them white ape-like creatures. And I'm like, that's kind of what they made the movie. They kind of look yeah. like that. And, and they were they were full of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, they had big googly eyes. Yeah, and the thing about the the thing about the book though was that at nighttime they came out and they hunted, even though they didn't want they didn't seem like they were very aggressive all the time. But they mm-hmm. came out and hunted the Eloi so they could eat them. As compared to the movie that had the the you know the the sirens or whatever going off. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, basically, he called them cattle. He called the uh, Eloy cattle. They're, they were the cattle for the 
Morlocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they were indifferent. That was the thing. They, they lacked any interest. They didn't care about making anything. They didn't care about being exerted. They just wanted to eat and go to sleep. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, so to me, the whole part that really dragged was the let's walk to the uh, Palace of Green Porcelain. To see if we can get away from the from the Morlocks and uh, if I can get something to open that door to get to my time machine. I thought that was the most interesting part because he found matches, he found camphor, whatever that is. He he found this dynamite, but it was really just duds, you know. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I I think there was too much walking between the two. Yeah. I don't know. I just it kind of dragged for me there. I was just like, oh, okay. It's like why couldn't we have this closer or something like that? And you know. Why, why were there Morlocks over there? You think all the Morlocks would have stayed by the Sphinx where it was safe at night? Yeah. The big shocker was uh, Weena didn't make it. That was shocked the heck out of me. You know? Because yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, Weena's dead. And, you know, because we're watching this, we're reading this, and it's like, I'm so associating this to the movie. It's like, oh, Weena's dead now? It's like, okay, so he has to move on and keep going because he needs his time machine no matter what. And not only that, he set the, the forest on fire, which was kind of creepy. Yeah. But it kind of makes sense, though. I mean, it, yeah. it, you, you, know, if you want to get out of there, that's the best way to do it. And his fight with the Morlocks were totally different than what it was in the, in the movie. In the movie, that you know, he, had, he went down there because they captured Weena. They captured all, um, the, rest all the, the other people. The yeah. rest of the people. Um, and in this one, it, it, he was just fighting them off while they were attacking him outside in the in the um, mm-hmm. above ground. Right. Yeah, this one had more more nighttime scenes. And I remember in the book or in the movie, they were associating the sirens with the cattle call. Mm-hmm. There's no cattle call in here. No, they just they just captured them. They hunted them. Right. It made more sense. The cattle call thing was so weird. Well, I, I think the cattle call was there because it, it made a connection to the the 1966 landing in the movie. Which didn't exist in the book. No, it was kind of a parallel in the movie. But yeah, it did exist in the book. And I, and first of all, you know, sirens. I mean, I don't know what kind of sirens they had, like police sirens or something back then. It would have been the equivalent they would have to use in the far future. They wouldn't sound exactly the same. Mm. There was no no discs. <laughs> the one thing, another thing I liked about the book that the movie didn't even really acknowledge the fact of the book was he didn't realize it, but he ran out of matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not like an unlimited supply. It's like, oh god, I'm I'm out of matches now. Well, you know, I, I like the fact that you know things are not unlimited. I think that the book is cool to read, but I think that if you were to film it that way, it'd probably be boring. Yeah, it would be like, can we get to the point now? Yeah, yeah. Because, but then at the end, you know, he gets in, he gets the time machine, and just before they attack, he he gets up, you know, disappears, just like in the movie. Um, but he goes further in the future, and to me, I was just like, why are we doing this now? Yeah, you know, it's like an epilogue before the book's over. With I'm like, this is just felt like it felt like he had to write more pages here. No, I think he he just wanted to see the future. And see what happens to the earth and say, hey, at least I saw that before I died. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you're doing a book where you're traveling through time in the machine that you don't want to have just one stop. Yeah. You know, because it's kind of weird. You know, the giant crabs and then, you know, 
the, I thought that was kind of cool. It was, but it's like, okay. Um, and then he keeps going. I'm like, okay, can we just get back to the present day now? <laughs> I think you wanted to see the end of the earth, basically. Pretty much was what it was, you know, because they said something about, you know, the sun's not moving anymore. It's stuck in one spot. It's like big and red, you know. I think that means it was about to supernova or something. Something like know. that. The air was thin. You know, it's like, oh, okay. But it's like, uh, yeah, I wrote down here it was 30 million years in the future or something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was like 30 million. Yeah, I think they did that just also because, like, what happens to the earth even further on, and, you know, we can't have just one stop in this book. It would, like, it would suck. So he like, basically got bored, and that's why he came back. Yeah. And then he, and then he, <laughs> and of course, then he comes back, and, you know, he had the, had the flowers just like the movie that, you know, Weena kept putting in his pocket as they're walking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gave it to the narrator. And then, you know, he tells the whole story and, um, you know, that's, I mean, he's, he's back home. Like it's no big deal. And, and there's no Philby connection. Yeah. Like, Phil, Philby was just the name. I'm like, I thought there would be more Philby. I thought the narrator would be Philby. And I was like, it's not. Sure look at my so they, they embellished a lot in, in the movie version. Yeah, they did. Um, I'm not trying to find here the, the, the end of the thing here. Uh, yeah, so they, yeah, so like the next day, you know, the, the narrator goes back to the house to speak, you know, speak to the traveler, time traveler again, but the time traveler is just about to leave for another journey. And he says he'll be back in like in 30 minutes with hard evidence, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. And of course, but then you realize at the end of the book, the narrator is actually telling a story three years in the future, you know, and the only, only thing he has left are the, those flowers, the remnants of the flowers that he got from the time traveler. Maybe that's where they got the bit about um, Philby, you know, keeping the estate there, you know, yeah. keeping the estate there in case he comes back. Yeah. It, yeah. It just. That was kind of maybe implied. I think so. You know. But yeah, it was just uh, I th- I mean, that's pretty much the book. It's not much to talk about on the book. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? What do you like dislikes about the whole thing? Well, um, one of the dislikes and maybe it's just me is. The constant comparing between, um, you know, the different cultures between the Morlock culture and the um, and the Eloy culture, mm-hmm. and talking about communism and things like that. Yeah, a lot of political, a lot of political stuff, stuff. that I, I didn't care for, but I guess back then it was probably um, front and center. Uh-huh. So it was what it was in people's fresh in people's minds. Yeah, I uh, I didn't like the fact there were like like only like. Three characters in the whole book, really. Yeah, you know, and the w- fact that they don't have names. I mean, you could have given them names. It could have been fake names, but yeah, I mean, we had the narrator, the time traveler, and Weena, and they mentioned Philby once, and that's it. I think maybe um, he was trying to show you that these distinguished men of science and whatever, even they do not um, care about this time travel, or you know, right. But, I, but at one point, there were some names. I don't know if those were fake names. I wrote them down, like Blank, Dash, and Chose. What was that? What'd you say? He gave people names, and he gave names of Blank, Dash, and Chose. Yeah, I don't understand that. He called someone Blank, and like the editor was Blank, and somebody else was Dash. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know that. if that was some kind of joke or... Yeah, I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that either. 
but yeah, it's just I, I I wish we had, you know, I don't want to compare it to the movie directly, but I kind of wish we had some like his interpretation of the future, our present, our past, or our our near future in there, like a few stops before he got to to then. So like the like the movie. <laughs> Yeah, maybe like the movie, you know, or, you know, 100 years in the future or 200 years or whatever. Yeah. Just to see, okay, here's, okay, it has changed. You know, you get into a time machine, you realize that you're moving through time. Wouldn't you want to stop somewhere soon instead of traveling, yeah. you know, 800,000 years or whatever it is into the future? Well, in the in the movie, remember he like fell forward or something and passed out. And that's the only reason he went into the future that far. No, well, no, no, no. No, he... uh the reason he went there was that some, there was some point where he fell forward, or it was after it was at, when he was getting attacked by the uh, Morlocks at the end. He like fell forward. And he realized he was going forward. And he's like, "Whoa, I gotta go backwards now." Oh, okay. So it didn't ha- he didn't fall forward when he was the lava was coming, and he pushed that knob forward as fast as possible. Ah, that's what it was. So he can get through that, and you know, hopefully it, the lava would go away or whatever, because he didn't know when it was gonna stop. Yeah, I guess the movie is more action packed and better paced. But it's because of the medium that it's in, where the book you can take your time with. Also, this book is, you know, from 1895, too. So this might have been, you know, groundbreaking at the time. Oh, yeah. I bet they were just like astonished at this and they were enthralled with every page. But yeah, say maybe if this book was written in 1995 and, you know, this the time machine never existed before then. That was the first idea of the time machine in 1995. It'd probably be more detailed, more exciting, more action-packed. Yeah. It's just from our perspective. Yeah, so that's our thoughts on the book. Um, it's public domain. I got a, I got an affiliate link over for Amazon if you want to buy a copy of the book. You know, there's nothing wrong with having an actual copy of the book. But speaking of books, the one thing that the movie didn't never, or the movie touched that the book never touched was what three books would you take in the future with you? You know, and what three books would you take with you? We talked about this before. Let's just talk about it once again. Um. Well, I, it's hard to pick three. Just three. You know. That's a tough thing. That's a that's the trick of it. Yeah, but I I wrote down the Bible as one. Uh-huh. I wrote down a chemistry book. Uh-huh. And for the third one, that one was really hard. I, I want some kind of survival guide, some kind of book that tells you how to do simple things to survive the wilderness or whatever. Right. Because you may go into the future and you don't have all your modern, you don't have all the conveniences. Mm-hmm. And you don't have access to electronics or what have you. So, right. Um, yeah, I put the Bible because, you know, I'm, I'm assuming we're going back to, to the Eloy time. There's no religion or anything there. I want to show them that. Right. Uh, I, I've, I found a book called The People's History of the United States, 1492 to Present, by an author named Howard Zinn. So oh, the sh- good. show history of, you know, America, I mean, assuming we'd go there, we'd be in America, you know, show them, hey, this is what happened long ago before you, you know, even were around, open their eyes to that. And I try to figure, I wanted to give them a, a adventure book, trying to find a space book. I put the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I was trying to find a book that talks about outer space, you know, space travel, you know, so it uses your imagination and shows you there is something up there or, you know, look up to the stars, you know. That's smart. I mean, I think... Open their minds. Yeah. Make them dream a little bit, right? Yeah, because, you know, they're just like, okay, we're here, we're eating, that's it. You try to open their minds up a little bit if you can. 
It's but it's hard. The three books is hard. Um, we got a few responses over on Google Plus. That's Google.com slash plus sci-fi watcher. Uh, Paul Duggan said he'd have a four-volume setup from the 80s called How Things Work, which he has in his emergency apocalypse backpack for the future. <laughs> um, it uh, if it is a happy, joyful future, they'll they'll find it fun. A post-apocalyptic future, I'll need it to recreate the telephone. For this dystopic future, uh, I'll need it to recreate weapons and items to for to primitive for the robot or human overlords to be able to properly combat. I told him, too bad, so sad. You could take the first three volumes with you. <laughs> that was the thing too, you know, you know, taking you know compilations or something like that. It's kind of like cheating. But I was trying to think of three distinct separate books, you know. But yeah, if you can find a four volume set in one book, by all means, go ahead. And uh, uh, Sasha Renee, she came up with something. She said she would take three blank books with her and fill them in with her stories, thoughts, and experiences. I like that. So she'd start her own history. Those are all good. Those are all good. There's not really a right or wrong answer. No, so. there isn't. But I always I was curious to hear what other people think of. What books would you take with you? The history book is really a good one because uh, isn't it? Don't they say if you don't know your past, you're doomed to repeat it, kind of thing? Right. Yeah, but and you know, I was thinking of them. They don't really know anything. Let them know, yeah. hey, there were people here before you were here. You know, there was a lot right. had gone on. Yeah, I would try to show them that. You know, it, yeah, it's tough. There's there's really like no right answer. You're always going to go, oh, I wish I could have taken that book instead of this one. But oh, this one's important, too. So three books. Well, it's like a, you're running out of burning building. What three things are you going to get? That's the same kind of. Exactly. But, yeah, I thought it was a great little, you know, question that they asked at the end of the movie. And I'm like, I thought it'd be fun to ask people out there. Um, that's it. That's all we got on it. It's just short and sweet, this this episode. Do we um, want to review the the bastardization movie? <laughs> the The new Newer version of it. We can go through them both anytime you want. Uh, we'll think about it. If you ever want to, we could do the god awful 1970s version, or we could do the god awful 2000s. Oh, there's a or, 70s version too. Yeah, it was yeah. a TV movie. Oh, I don't even know if we could even buy it on DVD. I have to go look for it. But I hadn't seen that one in years. But I've seen all three. I've seen the first two. I hadn't seen the, the newer version, which I had no incentive to. You know. Yeah. But we can always do that down the road. Um, we do have a couple links out there. I have a link to the um. Spark, Spark Notes, which is like the cliff notes of this book, if you want to go do a review of it. I, I kept the notes here with me. I did a refresher on it. I listened to it last week. I'm looking at it again, like reading this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Okay. Kind of gives you a refresher and gives you a different perspective on the stuff, and they give you summaries, which is real great. So go check that out. And uh, I'll also have a link to episode 123 over there uh, when we talked about the 1960 version of the movie. Uh, if you stick around, obviously, if you downloaded this episode, uh, Red Dwarf Series 7 will be out very shortly for you guys to hear. Of course, every Thursday we release a Red Dwarf. Sunday, we are going to talk about the movie Pitch Black, Vin Diesel film from the early 2000s. Uh, also, Helix on Sci-Fi Channel does its series premiere. We'll talk about that. The latest episode of Space Dandy. And Monday, another Almost Human episode airs on Fox. And, of course, we will talk about that immediately after. I want to thank my friend, Mr. Brian Lee, for being here. Brian, where can we find you online? I can always find me on Twitter. It's at Brian Says. And that's Brian with a Y. Of course, you can always find us at SciFiWatcher.com. We got links for everything over there. There's a donate button over there. There's the sponsor buttons and uh, our live schedule. Check out when we record the shows live. Also, you can email us about anything, the movie, the TV shows, the novels, or anything science fiction related. Feedback at SayItProductions.com. 
drop us a voicemail at 813-915-6390. And, of course, we are on the social media sites, facebook.com slash sci-fi watcher, google.com slash plus sci-fi watcher, and over on Twitter at sci-fi watcher. I want to thank everyone for downloading this special episode of Sci-Fi Watcher. And until next time, have a good one.